Welcome back to Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and it's probably not going to be breaking news to anybody for me to say that I've got a little bit of a uh, bit of a bee in my bonnet at this moment because of a certain rather significant news announcement that came out this week that I certainly think has ramifications upon our geek community and unless I miss my guess could have ramifications perhaps on other things maybe uh, our relationship with uh, the geek community's relationship with the media which I think has definitely taken let's face it a little bit of a turn this week Um, and uh, you know I'm not going to bury the lead here too much basically today's show it's going to be about the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, I suppose the fact of it, the reality of it, because let's face it, really nobody has seen it yet. We don't even completely know what's coming, but I knew that I wanted to talk about it. And in order to do so, I knew that I needed to team up with maybe the one person that I, that I could think of who knew where I was coming from with anything that has anything to do with the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. So this is somebody who, frankly, I think her her footprint on the internet is a hell of a lot bigger than mine. I welcome, back to the show, Supergirl Radio's Rebecca Johnson. How are you? How you doing? Doing really well. I'm very excited to talk about this uh, this announcement and this news item because this is something that I've been hoping for for several years. But um, I, I have to be honest, I I didn't know if we would ever get to see it. I never wanted to get my hopes up, and this week I got my hopes up, and uh, it turned out to be uh, worth it. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um... See, the thing is, the reason I, I wanted you specifically uh, for this was you and I actually did a show about Justice League. This was a couple of years ago now. Um, you and I, we did a show about it. And just as you and I have a pretty deep and pronounced fandom of Man of Steel and also of Batman v Superman, I think our disappointment in the theatrical release of Justice League is probably the exact inverse of our fandom of those first two movies. It was a letdown. Uh, and, you, you know, this is stuff that you've probably... I mean, for sure, you've talked about it on my show in the past. And I, I'll go out on a limb and suggest you probably talked about it other places as well. But just as a, just to kind of hit the high points of it, you go out, you get your ticket, you go see Justice League, and the movie that you saw, the reaction that you had, where exactly were you coming coming from with that? Well, I went into it uh, believing what we had read about in uh, you know the trade uh, magazine websites where they said, oh, well, Joss Whedon's just going to come in, and he's going to shoot some scenes that are going to be like connective tissue. It's going to be all Zack's vision. So I went into it thinking I was going to go see a Zack Snyder film. And immediately when that first scene popped up with Superman on the cell phone footage, you could immediately see that it was, you know, the mustache reshoot. Um, And it kind of went downhill from there. You know, there was there were some high points, you know, Superman versus the the League and Heroes Park. You know, some of that was really fun. Um, But I walked out of the movie theater 
thinking, okay, I saw an okay movie. Uh, you know, I think at the time I, I told somebody, I was like, well, I'd give it a seven out of 10. Uh, you know, it got to where it needed to be. It was fine. Um, but I remember being disappointed that I didn't have that same excitement about it um, after I did with Batman v Superman. And I uh, haven't really since then, I haven't really, I, I had to watch a couple of scenes for Justice League Universe podcast that I contribute to so that we could do some analysis of it. Um, but I never bought it. I never, um, uh, you know, purchased the, a copy of the film. Uh, I stopped buying the merchandise. Um, it really actually, Justice League, uh, really uh, negatively affected my excitement for DC Comics um, just because it was such a letdown and, and, and after that first viewing you know everybody all the fans kind of went back and were like well that thing in the trailer wasn't in there and this one it wasn't in there and this was supposed to happen but and so we started to figure out what the lie was that we had been told uh, and so I think it's, it's really interesting because I've heard it from several different people. I know some podcasters who talk about the DCEU who have said, you know, after Justice League, their listenership went down. The excitement in the fandom went down. Um, and so what's really interesting about this uh, news about the, uh, the release of Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League for HBO Max is that excitement has, it, there's been a resurgence. I'm more excited about it now. I've heard from other people that uh, have talked about how Justice League negatively affected their excitement. They are excited about it now again. So it feels like we, it's almost like we're getting a mulligan, like we're doing it over to, you know, go back and correct something. Um, so this is actually um, it's it's making me uh, feel that same excitement that I had after Batman v Superman and uh, so I'm glad to be kind of back into that place. You know, it's funny uh, that almost perfectly mirrors my own experience. I mean, look, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, all right? But sometimes you need, you, you need to get a little bit of distance from something. When you're in the moment, when you're in the moment and you're, you're taking this stuff in, whether it's everything you, you hoped it would be, or maybe it's a little bit more of a letdown, you really need to get perspective on it you know and I think I you know I, I mean we, we all just kind of go along through our lives we do our things and I don't know if necessarily we always stop and reflect on what we've done where we've been and sometimes how we you know how we feel right and in the case of the theatrical release of Justice League it was only when this news came down the pipeline, I guess it broke on Wednesday this past week, that I realized, my God, that movie really did break me. I mean, I I hadn't even really stopped to think about it. I mean, I, I went to see, you know, Whedon, uh, Whedon's cut of, uh, of the film, and it was one of the worst... <clears throat> film-going experiences of my entire life. You know, it's like every single step of the way through this film, it was it was just a uh, just a really terrible experience. And the I guess sort of the the legacy of all of that, the kind of lasting consequences is 
I mean, I am down. You know, I, when I started thinking about, you know, how many new superhero movies have I seen since Justice League? I mean, the number is like ridiculously low. It's, it, I, I, in fact, I can only think of three. You know, I, uh, there's Infinity War, Endgame, and Joker. Those are the only three comic book movies that I've seen in, you know, in theaters since Justice League. And I didn't necessarily plan it that way, but it's like I have had just, and honestly, I mean, two of those, I wouldn't have even bothered to see, you know, I wouldn't have, because I mean, I, I think it's kind of a, it's pretty well known. I'm not real big on the MCU, especially these days. Infinity War was never a priority for me, but uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, it, 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 or I guess at the time, maybe she was fiance, my fiance, I don't know. Um, but whatever we were, it, it was something that she kind of wanted to see. So we went to see it. And then for Endgame, it was our, I, I call it our mini moon. It was right after our wedding. And so we, we took a couple of days and just sort of did our own thing. We left town for a little while and she wanted to see Endgame while we were out of town. And so, you know, we did that, but it's like pretty much, I mean, that's what it would have taken. You know, I was it's not that I have anything against those movies. It's just that these were not priorities for me. The MCU is not a priority for me. The only priority comic book film that's come out since Justice League has been Joker. And that I definitely, you know, wanted to see. But just in terms of the stuff that I've gotten the most enjoyment out of lately, it's been uh, horror movies, horror comics, or uh, the odd... Uh, uh, non-fiction comic that, you know, if you can find some that are good, then, you know, I've, I've been uh, working through those and I've really taken a, taken several steps away from the superhero genre, not so much in terms of what I podcast about, but just in terms of, you know, what I watch or what I read or just what have you for fun and for pleasure. And when I really started thinking about it, it was like, all of those different roads go back to, to Justice League. I mean, that movie, I, I, I'm not trying to be melodramatic about it or anything, but it's like that movie really did break me. And so now here comes this news, something that I didn't, I mean, I was hashtag release the Snyder cut, I guess, implicitly, but it's like I was, I supported that cause in, I guess, sort of the same way that I supported releasing the the Richard Donner cut of Superman two back in 2003, when such a thing was nowhere on the horizon. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I guess I want to see that, but it's not something that I was loudly and vocally a cheerleader for. And the reason for that is because it just didn't seem like it was ever going to happen. I would support it if it does, but I just don't see this ever happening. And it just, it just didn't, it, it didn't seem possible. So there have been rumors about this, you know, this mythical Snyder cut in whatever stage of completion that this thing is in. And it seemed like it was almost not an annual occurrence, but you'd hear about it maybe two or three times a year. Oh, yeah, it's coming. It's just around the corner. And it's like you don't even need to read the entire article to know this is nonsense. This is crap. This is not happening. These people don't know what they're talking about. And of course, it didn't. But I got to tell you. This past week, the tone and the tenor of these rumors that were making the rounds, it just felt different. Now, you said a second ago, and I think you even said 
word, words to a kind of similar effect on Facebook, I don't want to get my hopes up. But what was it? it, it because I get the idea that you, you saw a germ of credibility in, in these rumors that were surfacing, I think, beginning on Monday and Tuesday this past week, leading into Wednesday's official announcement. What was it exactly, do you think, that both of us sat up and took notice this time? There well, is some kind of credibility that didn't apply before. Yeah, well, I mean, the this sort of goes back, and if you read, uh, you know, the Hollywood Reporter article and and probably some other uh, sites, um, they they mentioned the event happen that happened on uh, well in November. I can't remember exactly November seventeenth, something like that. It was in November twenty nineteen. There was a day that uh, we were told by some people who had pretty serious connections to Zack Snyder that. This, you know, today would be a really good day to get, you know, hashtag release the Snyder Cut trending. Um, and so everybody was, you know, tweeting their little hearts out. And uh, that was also the day that uh, Gal Gadot tweeted out the hashtag. Ben Affleck tweeted out the hashtag. A whole bunch of other people. Ray Fisher, um, uh, Jason Momoa did it on Instagram. Um, there were just a whole bunch of people um, that tweeted that out that day. And I remember hearing from people I know who have uh, strong connections to Zack Snyder and, and Debbie Snyder that uh, that that was them trying to prove the demand for the cut, to see the cut. Um, and so I remember thinking that day, okay, if the actors are getting in on this thing and this is something that they're trying to do, they, they are trying to get this going – they're in probably some serious talks with somebody. So I remember thinking, okay, well, this is starting to look up. But I always kind of just sort of pushed those hopes down because I didn't want to set myself up for disappointment. So I always just kept them real low. You know, always set your expectations low on something because then you'll be really surprised if it happens. Right. Uh, and so, so I sort of, after that event, which was really fun, it was a really exciting day. And... Then after that, I kind of just pushed it aside. I, I would keep up with um, the Vero post that Zach would put out there, kind of showing some of the frames or some of the the scenes that have been uh, removed from his cut in the the Whedon ver uh, the Whedon I almost said Whedon verse the Whedon version of uh, Justice League. So I had always I've been keeping up with what was going on um, because I'm I'm actually uh, I was gonna put together a presentation about the Snyder Cut for Atlanta Comic Con. So I was trying to like get that information together so I could do this like really cool PowerPoint presentation and everything. Um, so I had been keeping up with everything, always low expectations. Then on, I think Monday or Tuesday, I started hearing from some of my friends who had those connections again, who were saying things like, hey, you really should watch that Man of Steel watch party because he might say something. That was what one of them told me. Uh, and that that sort of made me sit up a little bit because that made me think, because I know those people who were telling me things, um, they would not have gotten excited if there wasn't something there. And so uh, I would have been fine if Zack Snyder had just done the Man of Steel watch party and did the audio commentary and that was it. That That was enough. Uh, but for them to tell me that he's probably going to say something, that got my hopes up because we did hear some rumblings about uh, the AT&T executives having seen some sort of screening and there were mm -hmm. some talks that were going around with HBO Max. Um, but 
I even up on Wednesday, even right before he announced it on that uh, live audio commentary, because it got a little awkward there right before he turned that picture around uh, on Vero on the the live stream. I I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they heard something wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's not happening today. And uh, it made me feel better when he turned that picture around. It said Justice League HBO Max uh, 2021. So I. Even up until then, I was still kind of like, oh, don't get your hopes up. But it, it was those it was those people I knew who had those connections, who they they did have some source of, of some kind uh, that really started turning things around. And it was funny that there were people who were adamantly on Twitter, you know, the blue check marks on Twitter who always told people the Snyder Cut doesn't exist. You're never going to see it. Stop whining about it. Move on. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Those same people were like, it's happening. We've heard it's happening. So when I started to see those people change their tune, mixed in with the people telling me things, I felt much more confident. So uh, it was a very exciting day on Wednesday. I'm still kind of in a, a state of shock about it because I guess I won't really fully be- believe it until I can press play on HBO Max and actually sit down and watch it. Uh, but knowing that it's in the works and that they have committed to something is very exciting. I agree. And, you know, the, um, the thing, the thing is that whole, whatever it was that happened back in November, I, I didn't really think too much about it at the time, you know, because look, you've been in this fandom for a long time, just like me. And you know as well as I do that there's always some kind of stupid rumor floating around. But when the news started percolating on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was, I remember sitting back and thinking about this. I just randomly remembered, yeah, you know, I think there was something that happened. It was like October, November, something like that. And I remember that there were these uh, stories that, you know, th- that were making the rounds because I didn't really make a mental note of it. It was just something that happened. But I had a, like a million different things that were happening uh, back then. I mean, specifically like in October and then getting in, uh, in you know, into November, you know, uh, work was really cranking up. And that was kind of inconvenient for me because, you know, I talked about our, you know, my wife's and my mini moon back in May of 2019, while October was the official honeymoon. And then, of course, when you get back from your honeymoon, you've had all this stuff that's piled up on your desk while you were gone. So now you get to work through all of that. Then, of course, you know, you're from there, you're transitioning into Halloween and from there into Thanksgiving. I had a lot of stuff going on, but I kind of remember that there was something around that time about the Snyder Cut. And I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. But, yeah, there was something about that. And then I started thinking about it. And I thought to myself, you know what? You know what? If there was some some type of meeting and there was some type of agreement made that, yeah, we're going to we're going to figure out what our options are on this. We want to release the movie or at least we want to release the Snyder Cut, whatever form that takes in some type of capacity. But we've got a lot of things to figure out. You know what? I bet you know what? It probably would take from November until around May or so to figure out, well, what are the logistics of that going to be? How much is it? How much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? How are we even going to distribute it in, in in this environment right now? 
of you know lockdown and pandemics and and all of this other stuff do we dare release this thing in, in, in movie theaters do we dare not release it in movie theaters is this going to be straight to video um exactly how much work needs to be done and just from a logistical standpoint you know just all of the different factors that you know had to go into making this it's not as simple as just deciding, okay, well, we're going to release it. We decided it on Monday. We announced it on Wednesday. It does. It can't work that way. And so I started thinking about it. It's like, you know what? I bet there was something to all of that after all. I didn't think, like I say, didn't think a whole lot about it at the time. But it's like looking back at it, 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 it like it's totally feasible. It could take maybe five, six, seven months to just to figure out all of the the drama that is going to go into finishing this thing. And then getting it out there in, in some type of way. It could take that long just to figure all that out. And then where the rubber met the road on that was there was a, in general, I do not consider myself to be a fan of screen rant. All right. Uh, for really a whole host of reasons. And we can circle back to that, back to that later if you want. But there are a lot of reasons why I just don't think it's a very good website, but somehow Against all odds, one of the most illuminating articles that I personally have found so far came from Screen Rant in terms of what exactly the Snyder Cut is, what it isn't, what we're pretty sure is going to be included in it, how exactly this thing can even exist, like from a logistical standpoint, considering the news uh, reports that were coming out about the movie when Snyder was still associated with it. We knew that there were going to be cuts. So how could there be this supposedly four-hour-long, like, mythical Snyder Cut? How can these things possibly exist? And you, like, your Facebook was one of the few outlets that I really had to kind of geek out about this. <laughs> and I, and let me just apologize to you right now if I ended up overloading you a little bit. No, but... no, that's I, – I, I welcome it, actually. Oh, OK. Well, but there was an article that I really hoped that that you read. I, I, my memory of it is you posted something and then I, I I think I dropped that article into one of your comments. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Do you know if you read it? I can't remember exactly, but uh, I got to give full credit to uh, Stephen Colbert uh, at Screen Rant because for years he has been uh, the go-to Zack Snyder Justice League guy. He he's done a real a lot of really good reporting on that. He's got some really uh, strong sources uh, that are connected to the Snyders, and he knows things. So if you are interested in this kind of thing, um, maybe Screen Rant doesn't do a good job on some other things, but. Uh, they've done a really good job covering the uh, Snyder Cut. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, but basically, in this article, what they the the thing is, the only reason I'm not going to call this a some kind of a black helicopter conspiracy theory. Literally, the only thing that this article has going for it is how plausible every single one of these explanations and ideas and theories, just how plausible it all is, and specifically. Uh, the answer, like the answer to the riddle, we knew that that Warner Brothers wanted a two hour movie. So why do we know for a fact, seemingly, that Snyder was working on something that could be as long as four hours? Like, how do you fit that round peg through the square hole? You know, and basically what it came down to is what Snyder was working on was his director's cut. He he was kind of in an enforced stalemate with the theatrical cut. And so he said, okay, well, 
for whatever reason, Warner Brothers, they seem to release a lot of my director's cuts and special edition type type stuff. I'm just going to continue working on that. And we can circle back to the to the theatrical cut at some point in the future. And then, of course, we know there never was at some point in the future for the Snyder theatrical cut. All it, from the sounds of things, as far as he ever got was a, a Snyder director's cut that it could be as long as four hours. And it's it, it from the sounds of it, it the opinions about it seem to vary anywhere from 50% to 90% complete. It's unfinished, this we all know, but it's like, what what do we have? We know we don't have a complete thing here, but like, what do we have? And the, the article, it was actually very helpful and, and very educational because this isn't, again, you know, th- this was something that I never thought would see the light of day, at least anytime soon. I never invested a whole lot of time and research into figuring out what exactly does Snyder have? What does he not have? And the one thing that, or the two things that everyone seems to agree on is there are at least a few scenes that were never shot. And there are a lot of incomplete, like CGI effect type stuff. But there's some, there does seem to be some disagreement on Junkie XL. Did he finish or did he not? It basically seems to be he's either 100% finished or he's 100% un like not finished, but there doesn't seem anything in between. Um, do you happen to know, especially when it comes to Junkie XL, like what exactly is this? What are we talking about here? It was my understanding that Junkie XL had a finished complete score. Uh, that that was my understanding. I could be wrong, but from from what I read at one point that he had he had finished the score. Um, and I I would uh, say that Snyder. I mean, I don't have a total number and I have never seen it, but I imagine he's more than 50% finished. Uh, the only two things that I know that he did not complete were, uh, and I, is it okay to mention some things that were were in the cut that we didn't see in the theatrical? Uh, oh, there's, please. there's, there's a, I, I guess I in, try not to spoil people. Uh, I, I know that there was a character reveal that he uh, put out as a storyboard on Vero that he did not finish. Uh, so there's that. And then there is uh, the the ending of Steppenwolf, I believe, um, and how they uh, defeat him was not completely finished either. Uh, so those are the two things I know he didn't get to. Uh, maybe it was you know something as he was going to reshoot some things himself and never got the chance to. Um, but most of it, I think, is finished. He he completed a principal photography, so we know that he did get finished with that. He got a lot of uh, post-production work done. He was in the process of doing ADR with some of the actors. Uh, some people would argue that he had picture lock, uh, which means that the editing was finished and that he just had to do some uh, color stuff and CGI. There's some debate over that, uh, but I would say he's more complete with the the cut than people think he is i don't think it's a hundred percent finished but i don't think there's a whole lot that has to be done in order to finish it so there they are it sounds like at&t is going to give him some money to do that which is great uh i think i've read anywhere between 20 and 30 million i've heard higher uh but uh that's i mean 
you get thirty million dollars, and you could you could have a you know a good quality low budget film for that. You know, so that's that's a good chunk of change in order to uh, finish the cut. And it's actually really I I think it's very smart on uh, HBO Max and AT and T's part because uh, they have a an almost finished product they can throw a little bit of change at and they can have something that will entice people to come and subscribe to their product. And I mean, I I've already signed up for HBO max. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sold on them. So uh, they got me signed up the day it was announced uh, because I wanted to thank them for what they, uh, you know, that brave choice that they stuck themselves out there and, and wanted to give this another go. So I, I think it's actually really smart on their parts because they don't have to invest a lot and they've already got a built-in fan base who's going to come and watch it. So it's it's very strategically a very good move. Right. And let's talk about that a little bit. Um, again, the there are all manner of theories that are floating around. And I'm just going to put it out there. The people themselves may not know the answer to this question, but exactly what do you think just totally opinion now. There's no wrong answer here. What do you think is the best format for this? Do you think it would be better to uh, perhaps release just a complete start-to-finish four-hour cut of the film on HBO Max? Or are you more of a fan of a sort of serialized, kind of episodic sort of format? Or is there maybe some other option that no one's really talking about right now? Like, what are your thoughts on the best, the best presentation for this, uh, for this cut of the movie? My preference as a film fan would be to have just a really long film. <laughs> um, but when you think about it from AT&T and HBO Max's perspective, they want to get people to keep coming back and, you know, rewatching their their uh, content. And especially because it's a subscription service that is monthly, you know, you want to stretch it out as much as you can to get that monthly subscription over a couple of months at least. Um, and so that's that's sort of how things work with DC Universe and, um, you know, Disney Plus and things like that, where they've had The Mandalorian or you can watch Titans or I've, I've started watching Stargirl on DC Universe. And those things get dropped, you know, uh, over time. It's sort of you can't um, you can't just binge it all at once while while you start it. Uh, you have to wait for it. And so I have a feeling that HBO Max is going to follow that model because it's um, a way to get people to kind of stick around. Uh, it's not my preference because I don't want to film what was intended to be a film to be broken up into little TV episodes. But if that's how I get this, I'm not going to complain so much because I like living in the uh, the Snyderverse or at least engaging in the Snyderverse. I don't actually get to physically live in there, which would be really cool. But um, but. If I, if I get to revisit that world that he created and those characters and, uh, and, and get to be part of that story again, I'll take whatever they do. But, uh, but uh, I guess for me personally, I'd rather see a film, but I understand the strategy of uh, dropping the episodic uh, content over time. All right, fair enough. Um, well, the reason I ask is because, I mean, a four-hour movie is going to be I mean, that's a pretty tall mountain to climb. You know, I do consider myself to be, I, I mean, I do enjoy the film format, but it's, I, I just, I, I think about that and it's like, geez, four hours, holy crap. I'm like, so, I mean, I don't, I don't really have much of a preference on it either way. It's like, I know I'm going to get through this one way or the other. So I, I don't really have a, too much of a preference. Um, it's just that by the time, 
the the Snyder Cut is actually out on HBO Max. All I know is that it's going to be 2021, which can mean a lot of things. But uh, that I don't even know if there's like a specific release date yet. But what I do know is that there's another release date coming up that is definitely going to occupy my time. So that by you know by the time the Snyder whatever it is that Snyder puts together, by the time that's released, my daughter is going to be born. And so as a result of that, I'm I'm what I'm thinking is I may not have four hours that I can spare to just sit down and, and watch this thing start to finish. And, and again, I'll take whatever I can get. I'm just saying that I anticipate being very busy starting in the fall and then going forward. So um, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But the, there has been, um, you and I were uh, talking sort of off mic about, you know, some dirty laundry. And I said that there are certain things that we kind of need to confront. There are certain things I'd really like to stay away from, one in particular, but there there are some dirty laundry, some bits of dirty laundry that we should at least acknowledge. One of which is the reaction to news of the Snyder Cut by the fan press. And for anyone who's been a follower of Zack Snyder's DC films, the idea of the reaction to anything this man does being an acid bath, this is not exactly a new idea. But it's like at the same time, what I have seen over the span of the last three days, it has ranged from some just kind of cheap, just, uh, you know, distasteful, cheap shots to some of this stuff is just like way over the line, you know, and it has been directed at Snyder. But primarily, and this is a new thing, at least in my experience, the the real victim of this, the one who's really been put to the whipping post for the past three days has actually been the fans. You know, this is a kind of a new thing, at least as far as the DCEU is concerned. Fans have been called virtually everything in the book by this point, ranging from uh, bullies, toxic, um, uh, terrorists. I mean, you name it, we've been called it at, uh, at this point. And I don't know how much of that you've paid attention to. Honestly, I don't even know how much of that you've even got the stomach for. But we're not talking about some Cheeto-munching blogger in his basement. Or, in fact, for that matter, you know what? Perhaps we are. But specifically, I'm not talking about, you know, Bob's blog that nobody's reading and no one cares about. I mean, we're talking about established fan sites that have some degree of currency with the various movie studios and whatnot, what the fans have been su uh, subjected to, you know, uh, flying a plane around that has those uh, banners on there saying hashtag release the Snyder Cut, thank you, making donations to suicide prevention hotlines, um, all of these things and more, just basically getting hashtags trending on, on, on Twitter and whatnot. You would think that these people are war criminals for doing such mundane and kind of pedestrian and in the case of the charity stuff really humanitarian stuff and they're not out there calling people names they're not out there abusing anybody they're not 
They're not starting trouble. They're just expressing an opinion. And I've never seen anything like this before. So I don't know how, how deep into that you want to get, but I mean, surely by now you've seen at least some of it. So like, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I did see uh, one comment from someone on Twitter likening fans to terrorists. And I, I know where that comes from because they think that, oh, because fans put hashtag release the Snyder Cut on everything that WB put out that, oh, we were we were bullying the, the companies and all that kind of stuff, which totally uh, ignores the fact that fans were straight up lied to. Our money was basically stolen because we were sold a movie that we didn't ever get. <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's a breach of trust from uh, the, the film company and those people in charge to the fans. I think they're building back some goodwill now. Um, but I I recognize that there are some bad eggs in every every fandom has them. Every fandom uh, has them. It's not it's not just a Snyder Cut thing. So I know that there are bad eggs in the Snyder Cut fandom. What what those people um, overlook are the things that you're mentioning. The the raising over one hundred fifty thousand dollars for. Uh, suicide prevention and doing all of that in the name of Autumn Snyder, who is uh, Zack Snyder's daughter, who committed unfortunately committed suicide right before he finished uh, uh, Justice League, and why he partially had to step away, uh, which was a huge tragedy for the Snyders. And it's something that you know, if you if you have even a slight heart in in your body, you know, you're gonna feel for them. Uh, and fans did do a lot of things, you know, spent money out of their own pockets to help, uh, you know, suicide prevention hotlines. Uh, they spent money on, uh, like you mentioned, the banners and the advertisements and things like that. And a lot of it is from a place of wanting to respect artistic integrity. That's a lot of what this is based on. It's not even, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's a slight part of me that's like, oh man, I just really want to see it because Zack Snyder was giving me everything. He's giving me everything, you know, this... The CW Supergirl, which I talk about every week, I like it and I have fun talking about it, but they don't really care about what Rebecca Johnson wants to see. I, they don't ever give me anything that I want. Zack Snyder was giving me everything. And so there's a part of me that's a little bit selfish about it. But then there's a bigger part of me that thought that this movement was uh, a statement about respecting a director's vision and allowing someone to make the film that they were paid to do. You know, Zack Snyder got the green light to make this film. He was given all the tools and the money and the freedom, and he made his film. He was in the process of finishing it, and then it was all ripped away from him, and it was <laughs> made by committee after that, and it became an inferior product. So I think that a lot of what this is based in is uh, a heart for the Snyders and their family, and uh, a willingness to step out and, and take a stance for artistic integrity. So it is really unfortunate that fans um, were made the, the the punching bags of this whole thing. I remember, I think it was a Wall Street, a Wall Street Journal article. Um, uh, at one point, I don't know if it was a year ago, two years ago now, it was, it's been a while, but they basically made fans sound crazy in that article. Um, and it just, it just reeked of... Uh, irresponsibility to me it, it reeked of bias and it reeked of trying to squash a movement that was happening and getting louder all the time so i i think for me i have seen a lot of negativity and a lot of bullying on the other side of it i've seen what the Zack snyder fandom is 
I've seen what the DCEU fandom is, and it's mostly a positive place with a few bad eggs. What I've seen and heard is I've gone to Dragon Con, sat in a panel about podcasting, of all things, and heard people on the panel say that Zack Snyder fans should be taken out in the parking lot and beaten up. That's what I've heard. And those people, I don't think we're kidding. Uh, so uh, so it's, it's those kinds of things that, um, you know, people kind of use uh the oh it's just it's just a mythical thing it's not real and they use it to make fun of other people and uh and and really put uh the bullying uh in their hands those are the bullies in my per- my personal opinion my experience the people who were against the Snyder cut have been the bullies the people who have said bad things who have threatened other people um so i guess everybody's experience is different uh, but from what I've experienced, the Snyder Cut is mostly a positive movement with a few bad eggs. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> well, the uh, the reason I mention it is because my number one, the perception that I have of these, I don't even, I, I have to call them something. So I'm just going to call them the press. But I don't know if that's necessarily the best terminology. So number one, my perception of them has really changed. But number two, and I'll circle back to that in just a second. But number two, the just the lunacy of all of this. I mean, sometimes, again, you know, sometimes you're just too close to something, you know, and you you don't really you don't really see it until you can get some kind of distance. But the realization that I had uh, this week is that the press, for want of something better to call them, they're basically advocating for and championing the Whedon cut. Now, they can put whatever spin on that that they like. They can frame that. But the fact of the matter is, to the best of my knowledge, which isn't necessarily saying a whole lot, but to the best of my knowledge, there is like nobody, literally nobody, zero. Nobody is saying that the Whedon cut is this masterpiece, every, that it's, it's this classic, it's going to be loved and cherished by history. Like, freaking no one is saying that. And yet, you would think that the the, the way that the press has been so protective of that film, you would think that this thing is like the superhero equivalent of Citizen Frickin' Kane. And again, to the best of my knowledge, nobody out there feels that. And in fact, my sense of things is that there's a certain contingent of fans who maybe didn't really get into Snyder's films quite as much. They were slightly more receptive, kind of, to to the Whedon cut but then that sort of cooled off and now even they don't care about it you know they never really cared that much but to whatever degree they did that's over and the only explanation that i have for this the only way i can process this that makes any kind of sense whatsoever that you have these yeah you have the press where the fans are just getting pilloried and burned in effigy is that when you think about it, like historically, right? And I'm and I'm talking like uh, twenty, maybe thirty years ago, the press was always the middleman between film studio and fan. 
there was no direct interaction between the two. They needed the fan or the the, the fan press or just the press to be sort of the the buffer, but you know, in between. And maybe it's kind of showing up a little bit late to the party, but social media, Twitter, Instagram, and whatnot, those have those seem to have been the primary ways that the Snyder Cut decision was made. The the press had virtually no say in this, as far as I can tell, and they resent that fact. And so what we're seeing is them lashing out in the face of, let's face it, their own obsolescence. Now, that may be unfair, that could be reductive, I, I don't really know, but I can't think of very many ways to process this thing in a way that that makes any kind of sense. The only thing I can figure is that these people liked having a virtual monopoly on uh, the discourse. They liked being sort of like the official fan liaison. And now that the fans have an ability to interact directly with the studio, well, who the hell needs the press anymore? Do you think that has something to do with it or am I radically oversimplifying things? I think that's a really great observation. Uh, the only things that uh, I might add to that are uh, the fact that, um, one, I think that the people who are still championing the Whedon cut who are adamantly against any kind of Snyder version is because they don't want it to come out that maybe, what like, what if, what if it comes out and we see it and it's, far superior to the Whedon cut. What if what Snyder did was really good? What if it was fantastic? What if it was so exciting that fans got really into it and people realized that his films were good? I think there is a fear of people seeing it and recognizing that they were gypped. And I think, and and the fact that a lot of these people, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you name it. There's so many of these uh, blue check marks. They don't like Zack Snyder. And if something comes out and it looks good for Zack Snyder and it, they have people who are actually fans of what he does, they don't like that. They're not into that. They don't want uh, they don't want to be proven wrong. And I think that that leads into uh, the only other thing that I would mention is that the the news that the Snyder cut was going to be released made them all look like a bunch of fools. For yeah. years we had been told, oh well, it's just it's just a theory. It's just a you know uh, a tinfoil hat conspiracy thing. Uh, it, nobody really knows. It doesn't exist. I mean, there are whole montages montages on YouTube now of people. You know, somebody go check on John Campia. He is, he must be really upset right now. Um, Collider was another one of those organizations. They just they spoke about it as if they had firsthand knowledge of it, which is amazing to me as a podcaster. I can't even imagine doing that. I don't know how you feel about that, Trentis, but if I talk about Supergirl, the series, or the character of the comics or something, if I don't know an answer to a question that requires some background knowledge or behind-the-scenes knowledge of something, I just say, hey, I don't know. Maybe it could happen. I don't know. I can't tell you. If I don't know the answer to something, I say don't know. I, I don't know. But these people would emphatically say the Snyder Cut doesn't exist. We're never going to see it. Get over it and move on. And uh, so now it's coming to bite them in the butt 
because they've been proven spectacularly wrong. And maybe at the time they had sources at WB who said, we're never going to do anything with it. Uh, It's not going to happen. We're never going to see it. And maybe at the time that was correct, because uh, I I have a suspicion that once AT&T kind of got in charge of things, they sort of maybe overruled some of the stuff that had gone on before with some of those executives at Warner Brothers. Uh, So maybe things changed once AT&T came into the picture. Um, But it's just funny to me how people who uh, get behind a microphone, who get behind a keyboard, they they will talk about something as if they know exactly what it is and exactly everything about it. And they don't. They don't know anything about it, just what they're heard from people that they think know something. Uh, So I think that's something in general that has... uh, corrupted most of the media in general uh it's uh journalism is dead i hate to say it but people do not do great reporting uh much these days that's why i think what stephen colbert has done at screen rant is um worth mentioning because that's one of the few places i would trust about something like the snyder cut um but yeah it's just unfortunately i think it's all around it's not just entertainment journalism it's not just fan websites it's it's everybody um but I just I think that the idea that they could be wrong about this, I think really rubs those people the wrong way. All right. Well, um, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the uh, it's just the look. The whole reason I even asked is because look, it, it's one thing to say that you know there are certain people, or for that matter, even entire groups out there with whom you have static, all right? Um, It's kind of established by this point, I think, that the fandom menace and the Raylo crowd, yeah, in a sense, they're all sort of Star Wars fans, really don't like each other very much, you know? And so, you know, all of these different factions and things, it's one thing for fans to not get along with each other, but I've just never seen quite this arrangement of things where maybe the blue check marks, maybe that is the best terminology to use where they really, they really have gone, gone to guns with, with fans. And the, you know, the thing about this is one of the things that really has kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of factoids and talking points is the fact that the film studio lied like bold faced, lied straight to my face. They looked me in the eye and they told me something that is not true. And you touched on it before, namely that Whedon is finishing something. He's not remaking or recreating or re-envisioning. He's just finishing. That's yeah, it. he he rewrote 80 pages of script, which in script writing is uh, like a minute a page. So he yeah. con- conceivably uh, reshot, uh, uh, what, what is that? Uh, an hour and 20 minutes of a two hour movie. That's mo- I mean, most of the movie is Whedon's. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it, it is a lie. It is not true. And it's uh, not to interrupt you. And I'm sorry I did. Uh, but it, in more so than just being a lie, it's uh, disgusting the way they handled things with Snyder and making it appear as if like he was stepping away of his own free will, which may have been part of it, but I think it was a decision that he was forced to make. Um, so I think, um, all of that mixed in together is just, uh, pretty disgusting. Fair enough. Well, and the other thing about that is 
and this is just more of like a general note, um, Snyder is kind of famous for really, I would say two things. Number one, releasing extended versions of his films. And then number two, those extended versions being pretty clear upgrades over the theatrical version. And a good example of that is Batman v Superman. I've only seen that theatrical cut once. And I don't really care to ever see it again. It's not that there's anything wrong with it or it sucks. It's just, for me, if I'm going to watch it, I would just as soon watch the version that Snyder has a little bit more of his imprimatur behind it. And same thing with Watchmen. I mean, for me, the director's cut, not the theatrical one and not the ultimate edition, but like that director's cut really, for me, strikes the best overall overall balance. And same thing with Dawn of the Dead. I mean, the list goes on. And so now what we're getting is something that I think it could actually benefit even more by comparison, because let's face it, anybody who watches the Snyder Cut, well, maybe not anybody, but most people who watch the Snyder Cut, they're going to do so with the Whedon Cut kind of floating somewhere in the background. The comparison kind of is inevitable in a lot of ways. And it just kind of makes me think that the Snyder version could be regarded as better, at least by fans. I mean, I have no reason to think that the critics won't savage this thing, no matter what he releases. This really could be superhero Citizen Kane, and they're still going to find a way to flog it to pieces. But I think I, I think fans are going to find something here that's that's worthwhile. But one of the I've really got two more questions for you, and then after that, I, you know, I think maybe we need to call it a day. Number one, <clears throat> where exactly do you see this going in terms of perhaps releasing other director's cuts? For instance, there's the Air uh, Suicide Squad. Do we have a better chance of seeing things like that now, uh, since we've since it's not exactly a hit yet, but I do think it's reasonable to think Snyder's cut is going to definitely find some type of audience. In your opinion, might this lead to perhaps other things that that got committee banged? Maybe we're going to take another look at that. Like, how likely do you think that is? I think there is a demand for it, and I think the uh, the opportunity is there now that the Snyder cut is um, being released. I think... Um, you know, I, I don't know the full specifics of, of how bad it was for David Ayer, but he did have Warner Brothers up in his business and, uh, and a lot of things were, um, uh, out of his hands at some point. So I think the fact that AT&T and HBO Max seems like, they seem like they need content for HBO Max and they, they want something that's going to be an exclusive. And I've been saying this for years, even before DC Universe popped up, I said, you know, release, release the Snyder Cut on DC Universe as an exclusive, you know, streaming uh, piece of streaming content, uh, because that will draw people to your product. Um, so I think if, if they're smart, they'll take, um, what, they already have. I mean, the air cuts probably something that can be completed without a whole lot of work. Um, and then you can get content for very little investment and have something that's, in, that's in, that's, uh, an exclusive for, uh, your platform. So 
I think it's a good move. Um, I'm not I'm not going to get my hopes up about an air cut, but I think the potential there is certainly possible now that uh, what we've seen with uh, Zack Snyder and Justice League. Well, all right, fair enough. And the way I look at it is, it's like anything. the The air cut is it's no more likely than the Snyder cut was, and it's no less likely. It just depends. So, um, I so I guess I'm I'm going to take the cheap way out and and just say I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the smart way to do it. Instead of those uh, blue check marks who know seem to know everything, and it turns out they're wrong. I don't know is always a good answer. Fair enough. And uh, the the final question, and this truly is um, a, a, an opinion. <clears throat> Again, no wrong answer here, but the. Speaking of black helicopters and conspiracy theories and tinfoil hats and all that, the play that I keep hearing about, if I'd only seen it in one place, I wouldn't I wouldn't even waste your time with it. But I've seen it now three, maybe four different places that like the real play here, like long term, is in some form or another resurrecting Zack Snyder's DCEU personified by Henry Cavill returning to play Superman. So it's kind of a multifaceted question, I realize, but just in terms of your opinion, you and I don't have any special information, at least as far as I know. Maybe you do. No, but I don't. <laughs> do, but how likely, from a practical standpoint, how likely is that? You know, bringing back, number one, bringing back the, this, the Snyder-verse, and number two, using all of this kind of as a playing the long game sort of way of getting Cavill back in a Superman outfit. How likely are those things, do you think? Uh, I don't know about the the likelihood, but I, I've seen probably what you have seen. Uh, I know Grace Randolph was uh, putting it out there that they were in talks to bring Henry Cavill back and that it could potentially, you know, uh, the deal could be sealed by next week. I've seen that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff, I don't put a lot of st stake in too much um, because talks can fall through, you know, deals can fall through. So I don't get my hopes up about that kind of thing until there is an announcement. But he seems, Henry seems willing to, you know, put the cape back on and jump back into the universe. And honestly, if they were smart, if HBO Max was smart, and I think they've done some smart moves here so far, it would be wise for them to jump back into the the Snyderverse, if you will, because there is such a passionate fan base there. And I think what, um, you know, the DC world in live action has been fairly successful on the small screen. Uh, you have the Arrowverse, then you have the DC uh, Universe shows like Titans and, and Doom Patrol and Stargirl and Swamp Thing I heard was good. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it got canceled. Uh, so there, there are those shows out there, but for me, uh, there's a monopoly mostly on those shows. They're all like Berlanti-based um, and there's basically one vision and one sort of take. I, I know they all have different showrunners and they have different storytellers, but the vision, the overall vision is the same. And so when I see those shows, I, 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 I know that, oh, well, uh, you know, the lead character is going to have a team that works with them. You know, like there's yeah. always that formula <laughs> that it's the same thing. Why does Supergirl need a team? I don't know, but she does. Um, so 
there is that monopoly that's there. And if you're not a fan of that stuff, you don't have anywhere else to go. You know, you don't have anything else that you can watch that might be more catered to you. So it would actually be really smart to have different kinds of those stories out there. They did a little bit. They tweaked the formula a little bit with like Titans and Doom Patrol. And so you have a little bit of a different take um, there, but it's still like Berlanti people working on it. So I think it would be really smart of them to sort of diversify their uh their takes on the universe you've got the animated stuff you got the Arrowverse, you got the dc universe and then the, the snyderverse could be its own thing as well so i think it would be really cool because then people like me who might be frustrated sometimes with the Arrowverse, can go hop in the snyderverse and have a little fun so that i think would be really smart because you don't have just one thing you have uh the same universe people are playing in the same sandbox but they're doing different things and they might appeal to different people so i think personally i think if they were smart they would invest more in that because it i don't know if you've been paying attention to the tweets but uh basically any part of the warner brothers time warner um at&t family they were tweeting about the snyder cut at&t looney tunes tnt uh, HBO Max, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, WBTV, DC Comics, they were all tweeting about it. And it, I, I mean, all the tweets had like 50,000 retweets and things like, I mean, it was this crazy amount of attention that was going to this stuff. And so I think if they're wise, they'll see that there really is a demand for that. People don't, people forget that the uh, the audience was there for Batman v Superman. People call it a flop because it didn't reach a, bi- a billion dollars, but it made, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, like $872 million, $873, somewhere around there. It, yeah, had, it, made a large, it made a large sum of money, and it, it was on a, the DCEU was on an upwards tra- trajectory towards Justice League. Um, er, the audience was building Man of Steel to BVS to Suicide Squad to Wonder Woman and then you got to Justice League and it just petered out so to say that the Snyderverse was not successful is just a lie it's a lie there was an audience that was there and it was building and it was growing and that's why you see now that there's such a passionate fan base because those people want to get back to that so I, if I was in charge of stuff if I had the ability to make those decisions I would be like, hey, Zack Snyder, what you got? What what do you got to pitch me? Do you have any ideas? And if there's something that they can, you know, pitch and produce very easily, I would say go for it because then you get more original content. These streaming services, it's kind of started with Netflix. It kind of blossomed with uh, Hulu does original programming. Amazon does original programming, DC Universe. All of these places want that original content because that's going to draw people to subscribe to them. So if you're just showing, you know, uh, the Wizard of Oz on your streaming service, I mean, yeah, people are, you know, big Wizard of Oz fans, they're going to flock to it. But you need something more than that. And so I think the more original programming that you have on your platform, the better off you're going to be. And I think they would be wise to invest in that. Uh, because that's going to set them apart from those other streaming services. Because there's now quite a lot of them, so uh, it would be uh, it would behoove them, I think, to invest in that. All right, fair enough. <clears throat> um, just you know, for my own part, you know, the lack of an alternative. You know, it. I, I certainly I've been bitten by that. I think that's probably been the inescapable reality of my fandom existence for the last couple of years, for sure. And honestly, I mean, I even gave up 
the only real Arrowverse show that I was all that invested in was The Flash. And there was a point when Stacy and I were watching Arrow on a pretty regular basis, but she's she's got she's a fangirl in her own right, but she's got kind of an interesting threshold for certain things. What I say to people is like 98% of what Stacy watches, eh, it's pretty good. You know, it's all right. She doesn't have strong opinions about it one way or the other. There's 1% that she absolutely adores. And then there's another 1% of stuff she absolutely hates. And unfortunately for somebody, the Arrowverse went from that 98% mark of you know it's pretty good it's not great it's not horrible it's just there and so i watch it it went to that other one percent threshold of this is complete crap i'm done with it forever i'm sorry i ever watched it and so all that really left for us you know after arrow was the flash and we ran on that from the ground floor and this season has just been so i don't need it's hard to even put it into words but it's like sometimes you see the trick and once you recognize that there is a trick and they keep doing this, it, for whatever reason, it's like when you understand what, what it is and how it works, it just kind of breaks you after a certain, and this is not to speak of the fact that I thought crisis was kind of a dud, but um, basically a lot of it really came down to Iris this season where that woman is like her own worst enemy. I've <laughs> just, I, I've never seen a character in any show, any comic book, any anything who is as completely helpless and totally useless, ineffectual as Iris Allen. I mean, she is, it's like every single thing she ever sets out to do, she fails at. That's really unfortunate. I, and, I'm, be- I'm behind on the flash, so I, I don't know, but that that's disappointing to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, well, go back and and rewatch even some of the stuff that she's done in the episodes that you have seen up to this point. It's like literally every decision that she makes is wrong. And it gets to, I mean, look, let's face it, you know, we all kind of MST3K anything that we watch sometimes. You know, I, I think it's something we're all probably guilty of. But it gets to a level sometimes where... You're sitting here and you're watching this and it's like you are exasperated with this person, with this character, what they're doing. And it's like it would be just so much easier if you would just sit in the corner and just do nothing. Just don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just stay out of the way. Stay out of trouble. And it's like the minute you start wishing that a character on a TV show would do that, it's probably time to tune out because that's never going to happen. You know, but it's. Anyway, and so, look, I I don't want to draw this thing out too much, except to say that I am now completely out of the Arrowverse. And so, you know, I was kind of in the wilderness there for a few weeks where it's like, Jesus, now I'm just not watching anything that has anything to do with superheroes at all. I mean, even as bad as things were after seeing the Whedon cut in theaters, at least I had The Flash. Except now I don't even have that. And so it's like, you know, what the hell are we doing here? You know? And so if the only good thing that comes out of this is it's more of Snyder's vision that I can at least uh, care about and invest myself in and 
kind of root for a little bit. If that's the only, it, it doesn't even have to be all that great. If that, just the fact that we're getting more stuff, even if it turns out to be kind of mediocre, if that's the only thing that comes out of this, at least for my participation, it was all worth it. So that's that's where I'm coming from. Now, before we call it a day, do you uh, do you have any parting shots? Do you have anything else you wanna you wanna toss out there and just see what comes back to you? Well, just to uh, hop you know hop on and piggyback on what you were kind of just saying, I think uh, seeing Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to be a, a good bit of closure for a lot of people. I know it will be for me. Um, because there was a hole in my heart, uh, you know, uh, when when Justice League happened, and and I realized, well, shoot, if that if that scene of Lois and Clark reuniting is a reshoot, we never even got to see how Zack Snyder would have done it. We didn't get to actually see how Zack Snyder would have resurrected Superman. So there was always a hole that was uh, left there um, that never got filled and never got closure to. And so I think. Um, there are people who say, well, what if it's worse? What if, what if it sucks? Well, to me, what, A, there's never been a director's cut that Zack Snyder has put out there that was inferior. It's always better. His director cuts, always better. Always better. This is a fact. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, uh, B, I would say, well, um, there's, there's still stuff that we haven't seen that I know is going to be better. I mean, the, the, we're going to have Junkie XL doing the music. We're going to have Fabian uh, uh, Wagner, or Wagner, however you pronounce his name. Uh, we're going to have his cinematography. We're going to get to see stunts that were taken out. We're going to get to see uh, interplay between the characters that was removed. We're going to get to see Lois and Martha and Wonder Woman treated respectfully. We're going to get to yeah. see, um, <laughs> you know, we're going to get to see Darkseid. We're going to get to see other Justice League members that were uh, removed from everything. So there's no way in my mind that it's going to be worse. But I think, if anything, it's going to be a great deal of closure for me personally because I have become so attached to that world that he created in the DC Universe. It's my favorite version of the DC Universe. And so to be able to get to revisit that and, and feel those characters again because there's there's an emotional uh, tie that I have to this version of the DC Universe and these characters uh, that was not there in the Whedon cut. I did not know. I did not know that Superman. I did not know that Clark Kent. But it's funny when they uh, released that deleted scene of Superman meeting Alfred. I was like, oh, that's my Superman. That's I know that guy. I know that guy. And so there's such a difference in uh, director choices. There's a di- there's a difference in music. All of those, th- all of those choices, and all of those things make such a difference and make things stand out and really um, uh, play a part in how you see the product and how you see uh, the story. And so, uh, for me, I think this is a win all around. It's a win for artistic integrity. It's a win for Warner Brothers and AT and T. They're they're rebuilding their trust with the fans and with the brand. Uh, it's it's a win for uh, HBO Max. They've gotten exclusive. Um, and so I think this does more. It's a win for the Snyders. They've gotten vindicated for a lot of the terrible ways they had been treated. So I think that um, this is a win for everybody. And so if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to. But if you're excited about it, I think this is a, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. I think this is a, a thing to be celebrated, especially during this time that we're living in right now, where everything seems so daunting and frustrating and aggravating and so this i'm going to count this as a win because um it's the most excited i've been about a, a dc story in a long time 
and uh, I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, me too. And like the thing about it is, like you touched on uh, the music, and honestly, I, I'm going to try to be as diplomatic about this as I can and say that I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I know that you can't hear it right now, but there's a reason why I selected heavy metal for the, the music in this episode as opposed to anything to do with the with uh, Justice League because the only stuff that's out there right now, ha it, it relates to Danny Elfman and his work on that film, it was such a letdown. It was so misguided. I think I've listened to that film score exactly one time and that was the most that I that I could really bear. Whereas uh, the Hans Zimmer stuff on Man of Steel or the uh, Junkie XL stuff from Batman v Superman, I keep coming back to that like, all the time. You know, that's just really good and excuse me, atmospheric uh, music uh, to listen to in the movie or separate from it. You know, it's just, it's good. Whereas the, the stuff that Danny Elfman did, I realized he was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit but i mean it's like at the end of the day i don't listen to music for pleasure on a curve you know uh well you know this music would be better unless these other things had uh, had fallen into place but i can still enjoy this for no it doesn't work that way it's like there's nothing about this that's at all redeeming for me so no matter what sob story m might be happening in the background i don't care i don't listen to it you know so you know that alone just just the musical upgrade that I suspect we're in for, that makes it all worth it. So anyway, now, um, Rebecca, before we call it a day here, uh, why don't you why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, some of your online uh, endeavors, because you've got quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I know I, I sort of, uh, I probably sounded a little more negative about the Airverse than I, I actually am. I. I do love the Supergirl TV series, even when it uh, disappoints me or <laughs> even when sometimes I'm uh, frustrated by the writing choices. Uh, but I do have a lot of fun covering it, and we um, we have a good time podcasting about it on Supergirl Radio. So if you're into Supergirl and uh, you want to laugh along with us, uh, you can visit us at supergirlradio.com. Uh, we're on basically everywhere that you can uh, li listen to and find podcasts. Um, I'm also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast. Uh, so we do analysis of the DCEU um, uh, films. Uh, I think I'm uh, about to do a Birds of Prey commentary, so I'll be re-watching um, that film. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I love DC Comics. I love the world of DC Comics and the characters. Um, so if you are interested in either the DCEU or Supergirl, uh, check us out. All right. Very good. Well, uh, Rebecca, thanks a lot for uh, joining in on this with me. And let me just reiterate that when you and I did that Trinus Magnus Jabs reality episode ages ago, where we talked about the theatrical version of this movie, you got to understand, it's not that I didn't think that I would ever have you on the show again. I, it, it, It's just that I was thinking I would never have you on the show again, specifically to talk about anything to do with, um, you know, Zack Snyder, the DCEU, that version you know like that take on on the characters so this whole thing has actually been you know kind of a very pleasant surprise it's been great having you back i really appreciate you uh taking the time to uh join in on me we've actually gone a little bit over on yeah, our time here but not as bad 
not as bad as we might have. So. No, that's that's fine. Thank you for asking me to come on. Uh, I, I love talking about the DCEU, and I love talking about Zack Snyder and uh, the world of DC Comics, so thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, and um, we're going to find something else, I hope, and uh, get you back on here just as uh, just as soon as we can. So, But anyway, so uh, I think that basically does it, at least for the time being, with... Um, what little we know about the Snyder Cut. Now, I am going to put you on the spot just for one last thing here and say that um, when this actually comes out, you know, whatever form that may take, I would like to have you back, you know, if you would consider it to talk about what we actually do get. You know, so um, just something to consider, I suppose. But um, as it is for me for right now, the next thing that I've got coming up, this is going to be on uh, Tuesday. I'm going to be sort of continuing my These Seven Men Are Disrupting the Comic Book Industry series. I'm going to be talking. I'm actually not completely sure what my release schedule is going to be. Is my episode about Spawn number three going to come first and then I release this episode you're listening to right now? Or am I going to release this episode right now and then do the Spawn number three? I haven't really figured that stuff out yet, but one way or the other, I think they're going to be coming out pretty close together, so uh, just keep an eye out. It's Spawn number three is coming soon, or has come very recently, depending on when you're hearing this, so I think that's pretty much it for me for right now, though, so bye, everybody. I will see you next time. Oh, boy. Who needs a drink, huh? I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, 
I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens and dozens of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trinus Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon, because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy. <laughs>